Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Jim Smalley's a little under the weather, so I will be filling in for him for the near future. Today's show is brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. HarvardWestern.com and brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. On today's show, we're going to talk to Marid Al-Khatib about him wanting to see another port here in Saskatchewan open. We're also going to speak about an event going on in Yorkton next month and how you can register for it. And we're also going to have the farm weather market update resource report all in their usual spots and we're going to end today's show with a very very important announcement so be sure to stay tuned for that this is saskatchewan agriculture today sitting in for jim smalley here's tanner wallace gribner this portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain. Your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection and by Farm Fresh Water. To make your water well wonderful and your dugout drinkable, get Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Farmers in Canada are increasing the return of used waste plastic farm chemical containers. The manager of stakeholder relations for the nonprofit Clean Farms, Kim Timmer, says return plastic waste farm chemical containers are recycled into several use- useful products. 620 CKRM's Jim Smalley chatted with Timmer. Well, Jim, we're seeing really good results across the board. One of the greatest examples is our empty container recycling program. I'll give you an example. In 2011, we had a 69% recycling rate, recovery rate, and now we're up to 77%. So once again, Canadian farmers are just showing a great track record when it comes to recycling the plastics and packaging that they're using on the farm. What about the other containers? There's also big plastic bulk containers. Do many of those get returned? Big drums, that kind of thing? Absolutely. So we know that packaging is always changing um, and it's our job to, to make sure that we're exploring programming in place and putting it in place to support that. We started this program for bulk drums and totes in 2015 and we are seeing more and more of these containers coming in uh, year over year. This is a credit, I'd say, to the 400 collection sites in Saskatchewan who are really taking the time and effort to educate their farmer customers in making sure that they're getting the, these containers back. Kim, tell me in total amount, what does this come to plastic-wise? Is is there a lot of plastic waste out there coming off the farm? Yeah, so plastics are really, really important tools um, on the farm. And so our job is to make sure that there's recovery programs in place for these. Um, When you look at our empty container recycling program, we brought in more than 2.25 million kilograms last year, which uh, translates into a recovery rate of 77%. 
And the big drums, what kind of return rate? I think you mentioned it. Yep. So I'll take you back to 2019 when we were at 50% and we're seeing a steady rise there. We were at 52% in 2020. And then in 2021, we're up to uh, 54%. And that translates into 71,000 drums in total. Now, another interesting part of Clean Farms, I understand is a nonprofit group, is you also recycle grain bags in Saskatchewan, used grain bags. Tell me about that program. You bet. So that got started in uh, 2016 in response to the Agricultural Packaging Product Waste Stewardship Regulations. And we, when we got that underway in 2018, it was actually the first program, first regulated program in North America. And now you're seeing programs established um, in Manitoba and similar programming um, established out west. The program is less than five years old. We have a recycling, a recovery rate of 64%, and that translated into 21,000 tons of used plastic grain bags recovered last year. One of the things I really love about this program is that it's being sent to a recycling plant in Alberta. And the plastic uh, goes into new products like plastic bags, fence posts, and dimensional lumber. So it's put to good use. It's not just sent off to be destroyed. You, you recycle this material, this plastic. Absolutely. Here at Clean Farms, it's always a focus on the recycling end market and making sure the material is going into another use. That's what farmers expect from us, and that's, that's really what we've been doing for years and years. If I were to circle back to the small container recycling program, again, that goes into stuff like fence posts, lumber. It's often used in drainage tiles, uh, which is used again on the farm. So, so once again, it's really, really important that we're not just recovering this material. It is being used in products that are, that are often used on the farm again. Kim Timmer is the manager of Stakeholder Relations at Clean Farms, a nonprofit group set to recycle used farm chemical. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch Eaves Troughs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesTroughs.ca and Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms and feeding families in Cupart, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. The CEO of AGT Food and Ingredients is hoping the Port of Churchill can be back online in the next couple of years. The Hudson Bay Rail Line continues to go through extensive repairs on a very long track that runs through difficult terrain. AGT was at one time part of the Arctic Gateway Group that was working on those repairs and upgrades. Marid Al-Khatib says the company has taken a step back for the time being, allowing the Manitoba First Nations to take the lead role. You know, we're, we're excited about the fact that the Manitoba government and the uh, Canadian government renewed their uh, funding to continue with the improvement programs. And, you know, again, we worked uh, very hard on getting that uh, reconnected with the repair we did back in 2018-2019. And the shortest distance for, you know, eastern Saskatchewan and northern Manitoba is Churchill Port. And although we have a limited season there, it'll be good capacity to augment the stem capacity in Vancouver that's quite limited at harvest time. So yes, there's a future for Churchill, and we're excited about the repairs that are going to be coming up and hoping that that port reopens in 2023 or 2024. Al-Khatib foresees a time when Durham wheat, red spring wheat, lentils, and yellow peas move from west-central Saskatchewan to Europe and North Africa. A reopening of the port of Churchill would also benefit oat, wheat, and barley producers in northeast, north-central, and east-central Saskatchewan. 
Barge companies are starting to declare force majeure as Mississippi River levels continue to drop. It is declared when unforeseeable circumstances prevent the fulfilling of a contract. U.S. farmers will begin their fall fertilizer season at the end of the month, and shipping delays could cause problems. Josh Linville is the group director of fertilizer with Stonex. One of those situations couldn't really happen at a worse time. And some people have been sitting there saying, well, it's okay because fertilizer doesn't get applied until 30 days from now. The reason why it's so important today is you've got to think through how long it takes to get material in place. And this is one of those things we've been trying to educate the market on. You know, if you load a barge in the Gulf of Mexico and you're moving it north, uh, some of these terminals that you're looking at take two, three, four weeks to get to. Um, it's not exactly a fast process. Linville talks about U.S. fall fertilizer demand. Our fall expectations for phosphate potash, we expect good demand overall, but we have a lot of questions about what the fall looks like. We think inventories are pretty good in the retail sector already, so hopefully any damage will be minimal, but it's certainly something we need to watch. It's yet another thing to add to the Black Swan list. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your RealAgriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. I'm your host, Kara Oosterhaus. We are talking post-harvest scouting. I have here with me Keith Gobbert of the Canola Council of Canada. Keith, do you want to elaborate on the canola side of things, why, why that fall weed control can really be crucial and what you might be looking out for in your territory? Yeah, so there's a fall window where especially glyphosate works exceptionally well. You can use a lower rate and get better results, uh, either pre-harvest or post-harvest. And the really important thing for some of the listeners to, to realize, and I'm sure they realize this anyway, is that many of the areas in the prairies haven't had a killing frost. So we still have a really large window for a post-harvest application for glyphosate, even on some hay fields that maybe uh, regrew. So we see, some, we see some really odd things on fields that aren't taken care of the year before. So that post-harvest scouting for weed control is important especially an open canopy like canola where the leaves kind of come off and sometimes the pods don't cover the ground or intercept all the light. We'll see a lot of dandelion and some, some perennial weeds try to get started under there. So if you don't have a good system in place to get rid of those in the rest of your rotation, that might be an important thing to realize. Uh, we haven't had much for rain, which is kind of a key, key indicator, not a key indicator, but it's it really helps if we can get that stubble washed and the leaves of the weeds that we're trying to kill cleaned up a little bit. And really haven't had that across much of the prairies. So it uh, really rained in June and kind of forgot how to do that ever since then and through July, August, and September. Uh, so so dust and, and dirt and, and, and contamination on some of those leaves might be an issue, but still well worth doing that post-harvest weed control. But specifically for scouting and canola, one of the things that growers have a hard time remembering or, or, or planning through is how to take the results from this year's canola crop and make sure it applies to the next time they grow canola on that particular piece of land. So in particular for diseases, it's really important to know the crop history and, and the results you had on this year's canola crop when you're coming back three years from now or four years from now or whatever your crop rotation might be. Uh, you can learn a few things about the crop with a nice, simple, easy walk through that field 
that'll tell you about, particularly about your stand, if you've done a plant count, how well did your seeder do the job for you? Did you spend the right amount of money on seed and did it did it come up and your percent germination, emergence and survival? Really need to know that to evaluate your seeder. But the big four diseases in terms of black leg, club root, sclerotinia, verticillium, it's important to look at that stubble to understand what you're going to do the next time you come back to that field. Because I, I joke with growers, and it's not really a joke, if, if you don't have a clear picture of what your disease pressure is in that field, you shouldn't grow canola. And, and that's a pretty brave statement to make, but it's a really easy thing to get if you have control of that land the last time it drew canola. You should know it's my primary problem with disease black legs. And if so, we've got some tools in place to manage it. If club root's a real issue, well, we have some rotation lengthening issues and, and some genetics that we can probably deploy to help you manage it. If sclerotinia is an issue, well, you should know that. And if verticillium's an issue, you need to scout and, and understand that too. Now, talk about clipping those stems. Do you want to talk about why you might want to go out there and clip those stems? Absolutely. So, so if, you're, if you're going across the field and you find some patches that just aren't performing or they're, they're a little thinner than they should be, or maybe you have some weed growth that just isn't normal for the rest of the field. I start a little lower now than I did at the start of my career because if we're looking for verticillium, we can look sort of an inch lower than the black leg cut. But black leg's one of those things that's, that's painfully obvious if you've actually cut stems. So steal some pruning shears, pull a few plants in more than one spot in the field, and chances are you've got nice, clean, white cross-sections. Now, if you're scouting right up until it snows and you don't have a nice, clean cross-section, well, it could be any number of, of rot pathogens that may have got in there in, in stubble that's dying slowly. Um, so, you know, the best time to, to cut those stems would be sort of right at swathing time when they should be alive and white and clean, uh, healthy tissue. So from swathing right up until freeze up, you can get a good look and decide what kind of risk there is. And, and clean white stems at any point in that time window gives you, uh, gives you at least a check mark that black leg isn't a concern in that field in the season that you're scouting. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather forecast is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina. Specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan, call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866 in Moose Jaw Truck Shop. The number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today there's a mix of sun and clouds with the wind gusting up to 70 today with a high of 13. Tonight partly cloudy, a 30% chance of showers overnight with the wind gusting to 50 and a little plus 2. Tomorrow it's sunny with the wind gusting to 50, increasing to 60 and then to 80 in the morning with a high of 13. And tomorrow night it's clear with a low of 0. On Thursday it's sunny with a high of 14 and a low of plus 2. And looking at the rest of the week, Friday a high of 19 and Saturday a high high of 14. The normal high for today is 12 degrees and the normal low for today is minus 2. Sunrise was at 714 this morning and sunset is scheduled for 616 tonight. Around the province at this hour in Estevan, they're set to see a high of 14 today. Yorkton 9 degrees, Swift Current 8, Moose Jaw 10 degrees, Weyburn 10 degrees, and in Regina it's currently 9 degrees. 
This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gridner. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com, and by Pattison Liquid Systems. Expert in liquid fertilizer distribution, fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. The annual Grain Miller's Harvest Showdown returns to Yorkton from November 2nd to the 5th. Committee member Brett Callen says some entry deadlines are fast approaching. Yeah, you betcha. I mean, the, the time's coming up where we're, we're starting to think about the show and, and getting everything put together here. So we just wanted to remind some folks of some deadlines coming up here for entries. Uh, just to give everybody a reminder of everything. So I guess starting off with the forage show. Um, the deadline for that is October 17th, and, and for guys who don't know what it is, uh, 25 bucks gets you a feed test on on, on whatever you want to do there. We've got uh, hay, uh, hay, silage, and green feed testing available, so 25 bucks is like half the price of what they're going to charge you to do it regularly, so that's an awesome one. That one's coming up October 17th. Um, percent of oil for the grain show. The deadline for that is Friday, October 21st. So as this canola is coming off, just throw her in a bag and, and we'll get it into the office there to, to get that test done. And then all other classes for the grain show are due Friday, October 28th. So there's a little bit of time on that to get your bags together and whatever. But uh, just, just a reminder that that's actually coming up pretty quick on us. <laughs> um, then the cattle side of things, uh, the commercial and, and the futurity show, the deadline for that is October 13th so that is coming up just right around the corner here so um, I know cattle aren't quite home yet because it's been such a great fall here but um, just maybe think about it send send your entries in and, and we'll we'll get it figured out for that one he notes there's a couple of awards to be handed out at Harvest Showdown as well yeah, I mean, there's there's two awards that are, I think, pretty special to the exhibition there. Um, the Farmer Recognition Award, that one, you know, any neighbor doing a heck of a job out there, grain farming, cow farming, whatever, that one's open to anybody. Um, I think that's just a great gesture to do for a neighbor that, you know, is just working their tail off all year long and and it's it's just uh it's great to see them when they when they win that the just the pride that they get from that one then a new one that we're starting this year uh young rancher award anybody under 40 um main farming or main income i guess would have to be coming from cattle uh on that one so same thing you're driving by you know driving by them every day and see that they're doing a heck of a job with their cows they just look awesome you know that they're they're just well respected in the industry so same deadline as that one friday october 21st there's no entry fees for any of those it's just you know get it done feel good about nominating your neighbor Callum provides the best way to find out more information about Harvest Showdown events. Uh, you know, give the office a call, 783-4800, or go to YorktonExhibition.com. They're all up there. You can just print them off and, and mail them to us, email them to us, whatever works for you, or drop them in at the office. He also adds that professional bull riding is returning to Harvest Showdown. Uh, you know, like always, PPR tickets are on sale and they're going fast, which is great to see. So if you're thinking about going to it, I would rush down there if you want good seats because they are going quick. 
That was Brett Callen, a committee member for Harvest Showdown, which runs from November 2nd to the 5th on the Yorkton Exhibition Ground. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Dagelman Industries. Look to Dagelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. In Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service, ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. A researcher at Olds College has been seeing some success in studies concerning virtual fencing. Cheryl Brooks talked with Liao Sobrino, who has been trying the Norwegian no-fence system on cattle to see how they respond. We started studying the virtual fence technology back in 2020, actually as a possibility to test it on our campus. We found the technology very interesting, very promising. It has potential the ability to help producers implement regenerative practices in grazing, such as rotational grazing or amp grazing, adaptive multipatic grazing, which are known for increasing carbon sequestration in Canadian grasslands, improving all other soil health parameters that we know are beneficial to the environment. And the way the technology works is you have a collar that you put on the cow's neck. You control the cow by using GPS and by using audio and electric stimuli. So you can easily train cows on how to use it. You basically put collar on a cow's neck and on your cell phone or on your computer, you set up the boundaries of each field where you want the cow to be located in. When the cow gets close to the boundary, the cow hears a audio sign. And if the cow doesn't change a direction in which they're walking, then they get an electric stimuli. Over time, they associate the fact that when they hear an audio signal, they must change direction. And that's how you control them. As far as cost comparisons, say, for example, if a farmer has barbed wire fence or electric fence up to keep cattle in a certain area, in a certain field, what would the cost comparison be like? Would it, would it depend on how many of the collars they need? That's correct. It depends on the size of the field and how many animals you have. But considering the fact that fencing nowadays is very expensive, especially if it's permanent fencing, depending on several conditions of the field, topography, vegetation, number of animals, it does get more cost-effective to get the collars versus to put permanent fencing in place. Plus, you also reduce problems like wildlife issues in which, you know, producers usually have permanent fencing or electric fencing, which is temporary. You wouldn't have to worry about, like, like you said, wild animals getting caught up in the fencing then? That is correct. And also, obviously, there's other advantages. It's much less labor-intensive to have the collars on animals compared to uh, going and putting and moving animals from one paddock into the other with people on site, which takes time. And depending in if you have areas that are larger, it takes more time to travel, to go back and forth and it gets more costly. That was Olds College researcher Leo Sobrino talking about the studies he's done on virtual fending with Cheryl Brooks. The Market Updates on The Source, 620 CKRM. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. 
Your market update is brought to you by Freeze Tallman. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capella, and by Nelson GM in Assiniboia in Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agricultural lifestyle. Proudly serving Southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years, see Nelson GM today. With the latest on the Winnipeg Commodity Exchange, here's Adam Bacallo with PI Financial. On the Winnipeg Commodity Exchange, November canola is lower by $5.3 at $863.30. January $871.50 and March $878.70. On the CME Group, December Chicago wheat is lower by $0.28.5 cents at $909.5. March $925.5 and May $931.25. December corn is lower by $0.02.25 cents at Six ninety six, March seven oh two, and May seven oh two and three quarters. November soybeans are higher by nine and a quarter cents at thirteen eighty three and a quarter. January thirteen ninety four and three quarters, and March fourteen oh four. December oats are higher by four and three quarter cents at three eighty nine and a half, and March three ninety and three quarters. Finally, December Minneapolis wheat is lower by 19 and a half cents at 9.94 and three quarters. March 9.99 and a half, and May 10 dollars and three quarters. This is Adam Ficallo of Fiat Financial with the current futures quotations for Tuesday, October 11th. Visit PrairieCommodities.com for more trading information. And with a look at the latest Viterra price quotes, Durham at 439.34, feed barley 352.87, canola 851.02, chickpeas 925.95, flax 752.98, lentils 734.50, oats 255.32, yellow peas 455.44, feed wheat 289.56, and one red spring wheat at 439.84. It's the livestock. Reports on the source 620 CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn at 842 4574. Now, here are the latest livestock quotes with Weyburn Livestock. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of October 11th. Our last regular sale was on September 28th. Cows were up a little bit at this sale. D1 and D2 cows sold from $1.05 to $1.20. D3 cows sold from $0.95 cents to $1.05. Counter cows sold from $0.50 cents to $0.70. Cents. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.30 to $1.45. We had our first pre-sorted calf sale here on October 3rd. 300 to 400 pound steers average two dollars and ninety six cents and sold up to three dollars and ten cents four hundred to four fifty pound steers average two dollars and ninety one cents and sold up to three dollars and three cents four fifty to five hundred pound steers average two dollars and seventy cents and sold up to three dollars and three cents five hundred to five fifty pound steers average two dollars and sixty eight cents and sold up to two dollars and eighty one cents five fifty to six hundred pound steers average two dollars and fifty nine cents and sold up to Two dollars and seventy cents. Six hundred to six fifty pound steers average two dollars and fifty three cents. It sold up to two dollars and sixty eight cents. Six fifty to seven hundred pound steers average two dollars and forty six cents. It sold up to two dollars and fifty eight cents. And seven hundred to eight hundred pound steers average two dollars and thirty seven cents. And sold up to two dollars and fifty cents. Heifers were about forty cents back from the steers. 
This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. Coming up next, the resource report and also some very important news for listeners of Saskatchewan agriculture today. So be sure to stay tuned for that. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. Now the Resource Report brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit secondlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid and brought to you by Western Egg Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. The International Monetary Fund has warned of a worsening outlook for the global economy, highlighting that efforts to manage the hottest inflation in decades may add to the damage from the war in Ukraine and China's slowdown. The IMF cut its forecast for global growth next year to 2.7% from 2.9% seen in July and 3.8% in January, adding that it sees a 25% probability that growth will slow down to less than 2%. In the report, the IMF IMF wrote that the worst is yet to come, and for many people, 2023 will feel like a recession, adding that as storm clouds gather, policymakers need to keep a steady hand. Inflation will peak later this year, the IMF is forecasting, with an annual rate of 8.8% and will remain elevated for longer than previously expected, only slowing to 6.5% next year and 4.1% by 2024. On the markets, the TSX is down 201 points. The Dow Jones is up 313. Oil is down $1.65 to be trading at $89.48 per barrel. And the Canadian dollar is down 28 one-hundredths of a cent to $72.85 U.S. That's the Resource Report. And before we sign off for Saskatchewan Agriculture today, there's one more piece of important news that we have to share with you. Harvard Media, the parent company of this radio station, and 620 CKRM are officially announcing the retirement of Jim Smalley. Smalley has been an agriculture news director here at 620 CKRM for 40 years and been broadcasting for 50 years. Jim felt that the time was right to step away from the agriculture scene and we could not be happier for him. Jim's last day on air will be on Friday, October 28th when he'll deliver his final edition of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today and say the words good afternoon and good farming for the final time. 620 CKRM will also have a special two-hour salute to Jim between 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock that same day. It's the end of an era here at 620 CKRM. If you missed any segment of today's show, tune into the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. I've been Tanner Wallace-Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley, Saskatchewan Agriculture. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything A. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.